0: hello everyone you are listening to the late morning program with nam the number one hari krishna podcast in the world i'm here with my friend Manjuri. Hey Manjuri, how's it going? Hey,
1: good. Thank you. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about this conversation. So today we're discussing transcendental junk food, our relationship with prashadam. So this is a really cool topic, and I love the title. And I um, I have like a bunch of questions about that. But uh, but let's start out with um, let's start out with your personal journey in in uh, spirituality and Krishna consciousness. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how you kind of got involved with. Uh, I know you have an Instagram page and it's very successful, and you put out a lot of content. So tell us a little bit about the beginning of all that, like, from the very beginning?
1: Um, I think for children who are born and raised in the movement, that's quite a boring story, actually. Um, It's probably quite (laughs) similar to yours. Um, I think it's really, I mean, in previous podcasts that I've listened to yours, but, like, people who have these, like, really rich, like, I found Krishna in the library where this Bhagavad Gita (laughs) was, like, thrown behind this bookshelf or something um, is always really inspiring. Um, Yeah, I've taken... Taken Krishna for granted for uh, a lot of my life um, because he's just been there since I was born. Yeah. Your parents were um, devotees and everything. Yeah, uh, but I was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, which is kind of the Texas of Canada. So, <laughs> <laughs> if uh, sorry, any to any of the Albertans who are offended by that, but. Um, yeah born and raised there most of my family is actually still there um a Gujarati family uh Patel um and yeah uh of course there's a little tiny center there that um really molded me in so many different ways as to what I've become now and why I'm so passionate about sharing and um My nutrition journey started a little bit later in life, but something that I was exposed to from a really young age was um, actually just hospitality. My parents were sort of the prime hosts of all the sannyasis and visiting guests. And um, uh, my parents are, you know, Pujaris at the local temple. We are very, very involved, um, especially in food preparation (laughs) Right. And uh, I think what really um, connected me was um, this um, idea of kinship. Uh, I really, I really like and love Sunday feast. Um, This idea that we're getting together and um, breaking bread, and just it's the only real time in the whole process where we are. connecting in a way that feels to me very intimate that yeah. you know whether i'm sh- serving prashad or eating prashad um where i can feel you know i'm smiling at a person i'm asking them how they are we're connecting to each other and there's something really beautiful that um is presented through food
0: yeah, and totally. that was
1: my real um i think what is what is the correct word i think that was my real push into you know connecting to krishna in that way
0: mm. that's what interested you like later on is 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 the whole like your upbringing in the sunday feast that kind of and that kinship and that kind of the hospitality thing that's what like right now that's what you're kind of doing with uh with your you know your content that you put out also with kirtan vancouver and things like that
1: yeah um so a, a big a big part of um, why I started uh, Made by Manjri, if those of you don't know, that's my handle, um, was that I I had a very u- unique experience of growing up in the movement. Um, my parents um, really pushed my sister and I to, you know, pick up all the ideal things of, like, learning harmonium, Radanga, kirtal, right. all of these things that my sister really mastered. I not so much. (laughs) And um, yeah, I've never really had an interest, to be honest. Um, While she was at lessons, I would somehow end up in the kitchen. And a very exciting thing for me was to come home after school or um, to be at the temple and to see these group of women gathered together making samosas or kajoris or um i learned so much just through viewing right um so i i don't really um i really like the idea of a recipe but we learn we can learn so much by just seeing technique and process and historically that's how things are passed on yeah yeah
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, growing up, I never saw my mom use a recipe or any other ladies use recipes, uh, and and that always fascinated me. How that worked. Like, how do you know which vegetable to put which spices? Like, it's not. It's not the same. It's not like you know. You know, broccoli and well, this other vegetable. It's going to be the same thing. I just find that so fascinating that it's like a it's like a technique and it's like something that's learned over time, which is really interesting. Right. We can get into that after, but yes. tell us a little bit. Um, so you didn't go to, there was no guru cool there at the time. You just went to public school.
1: I'm sorry. You're cutting out. Am I really? Yeah.
0: Yikes. Uh, maybe it's in the comments. Is it, is, am I, am I cutting out for everyone or just for Mundri?
1: Okay. I think you're okay now.
0: Really? Okay. Um, did you hear what I said earlier? No. Oh, no. Okay. What I, what I was saying was um, you didn't go to any Gurukul nearby, right? You just went to public school.
1: No. Uh, yeah. I was a public school kid, probably. Um, actually the block that I grew up on, there was um, five other Patel families. So... Um, from when I was born until when I entered kindergarten, um, I really had a very skewed uh, idea of, you know, the first time I saw somebody eat meat, I was like five or six years old. And it was so shocking for me that like, right. people aren't vegetarian. Right. And right. my first experience of that was in elementary school. Um, and it was kind of a difficult assimilation for me. I I had a lot of Did we lose
0: you?
1: I think I lost you there for a second.
0: Yeah, just for a second. You're back.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah, so elementary school, I I feel, was um, actually very challenging for me. And probably my first experience of realizing I didn't fit in was after Um, 9-11. I think a lot of people... Um, see the challenges that happened in America but in Canada we also faced a lot of racism a lot of um, just change in relationship that suddenly I was aware that you know I was had a color and wow. you know uh, things that I didn't really register before that.
0: Mm. And how did that how did that kind of affect you going forward? I, I mean the, I, that that's uh, that's that's it's a difficult thing to realize. I mean, you must have been what like in I was in grade six. So Oh, you were in grade quite six. Young. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And uh, Okay. And then and then when did you kind of so then after that did you study uh nutrition and all that in in, in university? Or what did you do the, after that?
1: Um, well, I was told and taught that I should probably head towards some kind of science uh, <laughs> profession. <laughs> um, around 16 or 17, um, although my experience of growing up was very fulfilled, I, I really just didn't feel like Calgary was my place. Um, I think to to bridge on that, the industry there is really based on oil and gas, um, right. Beef is a is a huge business in Alberta. Oh, really? People who live there? You know, they they survive off of these kinds of things, and it 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 really started to affect my kind of mental health in some way. And at seventeen years old, I was already in university studying like general sciences, and I had just decided that it wasn't calgary wasn't the place for me mm-hmm. so i picked a program not thinking um at all about what my relationship with the program would be yeah. just so i could leave wow and i picked See, a it radiation. Was, it was
0: that it, you felt that disconnected that you were like i gotta just leave this place
1: yes yeah
0: wow
1: um Also, there was a little bit of, um, I think, disconnect at the temple for me, where I felt like I really wanted to get um, involved, but there wasn't really space to do that. Um, And I think this is a difficulty that a lot of young people in the movement have. So it's, again, not a unique experience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if just a little dip in caveat here, but had I known that this was the truth at all temples, maybe I wouldn't have moved Mm. so yeah
0: um, yeah i I, I felt that as as well at at times for sure so sorry to cut you off
1: go ahead that's okay um yeah so i really felt like i needed to uproot myself and um i didn't tell my parents but i had applied to two universities one in toronto and one in vancouver um and vancouver had won out uh after a very long battle with my father uh just because it was closer and um the Vancouver and Calgary community uh, is very connected. So mm-hmm. there was um, people here to kind of, I guess, watch over me and take care of me in that sense. And uh, so I applied to a radiation therapy program. And um, for people who don't know, that's that's basically to be a radiation tech. Now, if you understand that I'm in nutrition now, it would definitely wasn't my calling. Right. Um, and probably halfway through doing all my prerequisites for it, I realized that, and right. um, that's around the time that I kind of switched gears and tried to tried to do a little bit of um, internal investigation. I think living alone, you and eating what you want, because before that, um, I was eating what my grandmother made or my mother made, and um, they have you know this ancestral knowledge of nutrition and based uh very deeply in Ayurveda um I was just at the mercy of basically like all the cereal I wanted to eat without anybody monitoring what I was doing, and it really started to affect my health and because I was you ag- were going
0: to university in Vancouver and you were just living alone as a yeah. student yeah
1: yeah who's who's um I I enjoy cooking, but who's got the time? Yeah, right. Processed food is definitely the easy way out. But yeah, it was... um, And around that age, I was probably about 18, uh, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, And actually, one in eight women in Canada also um, suffer from polycystic ovaries. And it was a very difficult thing because I didn't really know how to navigate it and neither did my parents and so slowly through this investigation one I didn't really know where to end up uh, with my education Um, and so I kind of put that on pause Um, Ani as most of you know and I got got married and it was actually nothing to do with Um, I was actually sitting at a restaurant, a, a new restaurant that had opened in Vancouver and the, the bowl of food had come in front of me and it was so fresh and beautifully prepared and, and naturally sattvic. And I thought, this is, this is real food. Like this is what food should look like. And I haven't been experiencing this in such a long time. And luckily for me, the server was actually the owner of the restaurant and we sat and we talked. And she told me that, you know, there's this really amazing nutrition program in Vancouver and you should just go try being student for a day and see how it feels for you. Wow! And so I went and did that and within 24 hours I was registered and that was how that journey for me started.
0: Wow, cool, cool. So, so let's get into like the topic now, um, because I think this is really important, and I think we kind of don't discuss this very much. As far as like you were talking about the Sunday feast, let's start there. The Sunday feast is meant to attract people uh, to come to the temple. Beautiful. Uh, food prasadam sanctified food and and it's cooked generally when in iskon in the 70s it's cooked in ghee it's very rich it's very tasty that's how people joined like you like you know i mean we all know that people join from like oh i tasted the halava and then i just joined the temple and i shaved right. up and it
1: was that was the end of it, it the most beautiful thing i've ever had in my life right and,
0: right, yeah. right and i and i love that part of people joining krishna consciousness and the temple and things Fast forward 50 years now, the same devotees who were who eating that for years and years and years, they have uh, health issues because of that, you know. So what are your views on the Sunday Feast being healthy or, or being rich and attracting people? But at the same time, keeping in mind, what are what's like the health?
1: I, I missed the end of that question. So what, I'm just going to.
0: the the health repercussions of passing. Yes. Did you get that? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, firstly, I I don't want to be disparaging to anyone. I personally really um, like the idea of Sunday Feast and I, I know that there's a lot of conversation about um, it not really serving the purpose that it used to and I really don't agree with that. I think that we can really get back to what Sunday feast was in a very sustainable way? Um, really? Yeah, I th- first I think that creation of community and kinship is so important, and right. I think it goes above even the quality of food. Is the fact that um, actually the Indian government um, really popularized um, through one of their campaigns um, this slogan, which is Atiti Baba that yeah. we our guests are like God. And I think we've really lost that that experience that, you know, a person comes to the temple for the first time and typically they're not really greeted in a nice way or, you know, Mm. the person serving prashad isn't being super mindful and...
0: (laughs) Plop it on the plate.
1: (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't make it on the plate, Namras. I'm just...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: it's it's rough and right. you know a smile goes a long way and you know this idea of sitting with somebody and breaking bread and um having an experience that feels fulfilling i think we've gotten a very far away from that aside from nutrition right.
0: um that's a great point yeah aside from nutrition just the the
1: welcoming part of it right i mean just It was something that my father used to say to me, especially because we were voluntold basically to serve Prashad every Sunday, um, was that it's (laughs) not just that we're serving this devotee. It's that Krishna is inside of them. And so we should treat them as such, is that when you're serving this person, you're serving Krishna within this person. This food is sacred and satiating them, but Krishna is also pleased by this. Um, so that's, I I think, aside from the nutrition side of things, um, Mm -hmm. I think that the service is considered to be very menial. Um, people are quite mean to the cooks, you know, Mm. A, a lot of this is not really in, in the cooks control, like, um cooking in a commercial kitchen is a talent it's something that needs to be learned it's not always easy um yeah i think that's why people are like oh well it's all, always overcooked or um, prashadam can often come out burnt but it's hard navigating like large pots and large ingredients and kind of taking control in this sense so um to the credit of anybody who takes on this service because it's it's genuinely probably one of the hardest things to do is right. feed a community. Um, yeah. So now back to the nutrition side of this, um, right. we've had fifty years of experience to see what the effects, especially for full time devotees eating this prashad every day, um, it's. We can't call it healthy. We can't even market it as healthy, which we have been doing. We can't even market it as Ayurvedic because it's not. It's vata aggravating. It's pitta aggravating. It's often quite spicy. Um, it often has a lot of oil. And um, and I'm only speaking to, I think, North America because... Yeah, let's um,
0: speak from there because that's our experience.
1: Yeah, Um I think nutrition also varies depending on what region you're in. Right. Some of the foods that we've um, especially ancestrally grew up eating are typically easier to digest in India. That's not mm. necessarily true in North America. Right, right.
0: Hmm. Interesting point.
1: Um, so other, other things that need to be addressed in Sunday Feast, um, I think the top one is poor food combining um we often have you heard of food combining no no like
0: don't eat watermelon with something else like exactly like that. so right.
1: we struggle with this as a <laughs> collective a lot um i struggle with this a lot too but um a typical sunday feast plate um for example will have some kind of grain in it good yeah. great um it will have halva in it, which is also a grain. People mm. classify it as a dessert, but it's two grains. There yeah. will be some kind of mixed fruit salad. This I just got a plate of Prashad from the temple this morning. So I'm just describing <laughs> what was in it. <laughs> there was dry fruit and it was all mixing together. Yeah. It's all beautiful. I'm I'm going to eat it. Yeah. I only have to do this once a week, right? right. to speak of a person who has to eat something like that every meal. It's yeah. beautiful food, it's blessed. But uh, in Ayurveda, for example, you're not what you you are what you eat. We hear this a lot, but you're not, you're what you digest. And if you're not digesting, you're not uptaking the nutrients that you need to sustain yourself. And at the end of the day. If you're not doing that, then how are you serving Srila Prabhupada's movement?
0: Right. Can I can I ask you to break down, you said vata, uh, what was the word you used? Um, engr- en- enraging, something like that? Um,
1: uh, yeah, I think um, these are the constitutions in Ayurveda. How, how I'm how not an Ayurveda um, right, specialist. Right.
0: Right, right, but t- but tell us a little bit. You were said you were saying that it it uh enrages your vata and your pitta. You said, yeah. Explain so that break that down a little bit for me.
1: Um, typically the way that food is um processed, um, it has an effect in your body, reaction, right. reaction. So a lot of the times the prashad that's prepared, um, it is because our digestion may not be at its peak strength. Um, I mean, I I can testify to this. When I was a teenager, I could basically digest anything. Um, As I move into my 30s now, that's not the case. I really have to pick and choose what I digest. Um, So a lot of the times that the foods that are combined together aren't really at the optimum sort of Health combinations in terms of Ayurveda. Um, we also struggle in North America with like mixing cuisines and things, for example. And I think yes. that, um, you know, upma and pasta salad, they don't yes. really digest well.
0: Right. So you're saying c- food combination is a very important thing. So in a Sunday feast, so you're saying would it would it when you're saying okay, we have a grain already, we have a rice or we have a chapati. Mm-hmm. Don't give both, or just give one, or 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 skip the halava or like how do we do that?
1: Um, serve it all. I I don't think that there's an issue with the actual um, there. There's a reason why grains and dal, for example, are served together, and yeah. that reason is is that to uptake the amino acids that we need for, to nourish our bodies, um, we need to combine our foods in the way that grain and lentils, for example, make a good complete protein. Rice and dal. Rice and dal. So, sabji chapati, for example, you're getting the amino acids that you need that your body can't produce itself. So, this combination of food that's been created is, um, it's thousands of years of science. The issue is, is the combinations of vegetables, the combination of refined fat. We're using a lot of salt, way more salt than we used to eat Mm. historically, Um, way more sugar, processed sugar um, that, you know, they weren't really consumed in, you know, Vedic times when we're talking about food in this way. Yeah. So... Our food has changed so drastically, and I think that we need to, as a collective, investigate um, how we're combining and bringing together, uh, essentially trying to find ingredients that have more integrity.
0: Right. Yeah, it's it, it's right now, The you know, the whole popular thing is where we're sourcing the food from and how processed it is and things right. like that and it's and I think it's it's definitely a good point that we have to investigate how where we're getting because mostly it's like whatever's the cheapest out there whatever you know like oil whatever this is the cheapest oil because you can use so much of it in the temple so right. you just want to use all that you know so like just a side point about that uh, you know what's your what's your view on ghee and and uh, oil? Because, it se- because from Prabhupada's time, it was always like, okay, we got to use ghee because that's the most opulent and that's healthy. It's good for the joints and all that stuff. But now it seems like the ghee is not exactly the best kind of ghee. And if you want to use oil, even that's even like whatever, canola oil, it's that's super unhealthy from what I heard. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think if we can um- – drop canola oil as a whole we can move to a healthier oil it makes you feel sick i i don't know um to speak to ghee um i think just like all of our vegetables and fruits we need to assess the quality of our milk and in in north america i I know in india this is a little bit different but we have a classification system of diets. We identify ourselves as vegetarians in North America. That's not true. When you call yourself a vegetarian, it means you eat fish and eggs. Oh, really? So be very careful when you're identifying as devotees, the classification is lacto vegetarian, which is I'm a vegetarian that consumes milk, but not the other, the latter things. Vegan is no animal products. I'd really love to see our temples move towards a classification that we create for ourselves called Ahimsa vegetarian, Mm. where if we're looking at the integrity of our fruits and vegetables and grains and everything, why aren't we looking at the integrity of our dairy?
0: Yeah. Yes, that's... that's a very important point. Also, uh, you know, a point people argue about because, because then it's like when you know where you're sourcing it from and it's not the right thing, then you have to go vegan because it's right. Cause you don't want to be a part of that. Uh, right. so that's,
1: that's true for our household. Um, yeah. the majority are a vegan household. If we have, um, and we choose to love Krishna in this way. Um, I totally understand if, somebody has a different opinion and I, I don't want to, um, we all pick how we want to serve the Lord. And if that's with dairy, I just invite you to investigate. Um, Mm. You might want, and honestly speaking um, if we're not going to as a whole, um, put our money towards Ahimsa dairy, then we're not going to push forward these projects. Yeah. It won't succeed. It won't survive.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's really, that's really true. And it's definitely something we need to look into because it's like such a big part of our Krishna conscious presentation is about the food. And if we don't kind of come with the times of where we're getting it from and how healthy it is or how it makes people feel after they eat it, then it's, right. you're going to kind of, you're gonna probably do a disservice in a in a way like you you'll-
1: absolutely. I I don't feel. Um, I guess one of my biggest um, things about the Sunday Feast presentation is that it's not inclusive. Um, becoming I, a mother actually has really opened my eyes about this. Is that right? Right. Um, the prashad is not allergen friendly. Um, many in North America, many children are born with you know, allergies because of the pesticide use, Um, just kind of the way that the world is navigating with um, our food sources now. Um, If we're still cooking with peanuts and peanut oil, we're cutting out a whole demographic of people who should be, you know, made to feel welcome at our temples. So um, tons of sugar, tons of refined sugar, which a lot of it in... As, at least in Canada, one of the main sources of sugar actually has bone char in it. It's not vegetarian.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And yet the one of my biggest pet peeves actually is um, at temples when they are serving the drink and they're calling it nectar, but it's <laughs> Minute made with sugar added to it, like <laughs> diluted in it. <laughs> what are we doing to people? Right. Like, at that point, let's just serve water and you know, it's pure. A little, it's, put a little
0: lemon in it, and that's it. Yeah, call it a day. Yeah. What about um, as as far? Let's let's think, look at the nutrition part now. As far as like quantity, because that's something that's something I personally struggle with. Not that I overeat, but I I think like, am I supposed to eat more or am I supposed to eat less? So in a nutritional way, this is this is probably not connected with the Sunday feast or anything like that, but just. Like personally, how would you, as a nutritionist, instruct someone to uh, instruct someone's quantity of, ho- of what they eat?
1: I, I think that one of the most difficult things about um, nourishing ourselves is that it's really based on ourselves. Um, you should intuitively listen to your body's cues if you're halfway through your meal and you're already starting to burp, for example, this is a sign that your body's telling you to stop. I and I, I know that there's this internal cue that, oh, there's still half my plate left and I need to finish my plate. And yes, um, yes. let's start by serving ourselves a little bit less. And if we need more, there's... Uh, I think that anybody, I'm so happy when my daughter asks me for seconds or, you know, I feel very accomplished, but start with less and work your way up. Um, So I think that's a very mindful eating practice that we can all um, start with at home. And uh,
0: like, I remember when I was maybe 25 or something and I could just eat like endlessly and it was, and it was like, You know, and I and I wouldn't even gain any weight or anything. Wouldn't feel bad. But now, as a thirty-five-year-old, I'm like, I really am now. I'm starting to be careful. Like, okay, if I overeat, I will literally, I'll be like bedridden. (laughs) Like,
1: I can't move. Um, I think one of the biggest symptoms is feeling lethargic and not being. If you're having this huge lunch or something, and then you can't work for the rest of the day or think. one uh, one thing is look at the quantity of food. The second is maybe you need to assess what you're um, having at what time. Um, so oh, typically right. when you're lunch, eating. for right. example, should be your biggest meal. Dinner, um, a little on the lighter side. Breakfast on the l- lighter side. Um, we've been, especially here, we've been promoted that breakfast should be the biggest and best meal of, um, but our, our digestive systems are just waking up just like we are so if we're going to have this huge meal for breakfast um we're not really we don't really have the capability to digest that because our digestive fires and that it's strongest
0: right what's the ideal like when you're talking about like lunch, breakfast, dinner, what's the ideal timings? And what are the ideal things to like, give us examples of, of what's something good to eat at, at those specific times.
1: That's, that's also a very individual based uh, question. Um, everybody has a different capability of what they can digest, but also what, what suits their body the best. And I think in time we learn that about ourselves, um, For me personally, I like to have a very um, balanced in the sense that half of my meal is always vegetable-based.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: Um, And I I like to promote that in just um, plant diversity. There's like 22,000 edible plants that we're able to tap into and use. That's that's a lot of food. Yes. Wow. That's just what's been archived. And I think as – we're going that's becoming a little less and less but if you're assessing all your all your grains all your lentils all the beans in your home and then all the fresh vegetables and fruits that you're buying are you having a very plant diverse um, diet are you typically eating the same things all the time Uh so I would challenge people to get out there and experience um, you know often things that you see in grocery stores for example or at the farmers market that you would never typically pick up but yeah you don't know until you try and I think that having a you know a plant forward um, at least half of the meal to be Um, vegetable based is very good fiber fiber is so important. We don't talk about that enough, Um, but also to create a diverse menu um, is, is giving our body essential bacteria that we need to promote really great digestion. Um, It's helping to address kind of a lot of the disease that we experience um, a lot of the inflammation that we're experiencing and also the, vitamins and minerals that we actually need to uptake from our foods um we should we're, we're lacking in a lot of these nutrients and the more diversity yeah. we can have the more we can uptake
0: oh my god there's so much there that i'd like to unpack vita okay um let's start with my question while you were talking was breakfast like half vegetables so like corn flakes there's corn in there so it's vegetable right like Half right. Half yes. of the no, I'm joking. But it's it's <laughs> the, the 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 like for example cereal. Like I I eat cereal. Like I've been eating cereal my whole life every morning. So that's not good. Like it's not good for you probably. I mean I don't I don't drink milk. Uh, I, I eat it with almond milk, but what would you what would you say to someone who's like i have had this habit my whole life how could i change it it's just a part of my routine
1: um that's okay if you can digest it i think that it's fine right. when you start to develop uh, symptoms from this i think that that's when we can talk about you know can you prevent this or whatever? But if there's a breakfast that's been working for you for 35 years, then, you know, I I don't want to, f- i first of all, I don't want to fault cereal. I think that there are some cereals that are better for you than um, <laughs> Cheerios and cornflakes, Right. but <laughs> um, there, we can always make decisions in our diet that are, you know, something that we enjoy. I think we should really, um, we should enjoy food. If it's not enjoyable, like if we're just trying to fuel ourselves to stay alive. And I know that there's a lot of people who uh, really just like, they could care less about what food tastes like and stuff. And it's just to nourish them. That's, that's fine also. But um, I like the idea of like celebrating and, you know, there, there's so much that I really love from my childhood, for example, that just makes me really nostalgic, but yes. I just, I can't eat it anymore. Like right. I, I have a problem with gluten, but, you know, so much of my, all the things, you know, my mom was Nostro- raised in England, for example, something. I love having scones, but... Can I really digest that? So that's when we can investigate that. What is the symptom that I'm experiencing and how can I address that symptom? So if it's changing our grains, for example, um, for me, for example, that's, that's a very easy way to enjoy the foods that, you know, we grew up and have a lot of food nostalgia with and experience wow. a lot of love from a bowl of cereal but just make a better choice about what, what is the quality? What is, what are the ingredients? What am I getting out of it? Maybe I can pair some uh, nuts and seeds with this to just kind of, you know, up the nutrient level and, you know, maybe in half an hour from my meal, I'll have a piece of fruit or before my meal, or, you know, there are ways to boost the nutrients um, in this way.
0: Like I saw on your page, uh, one time you made like chapatis or something out of like quinoa or something. So you're 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 preserving the f- the feeling of eating rotlis, but 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 yeah. you're using a kind of grain that that's easily digestible and that works with you. So I, I like okay. that point to to try to substitute things that may not be agreeable to you, but the but but substitute them for things that that uh, can still continue the experience of that particular food.
1: Right. Um, I'm really about um, kind of preserving the ancestral sort of recipes that I got passed down. But I'm not, I think that we can adjust them because that's what's been happening for, you know, generations and generations. Yeah. But also, I've, especially in North America, we only have one experience of a rotli, for example, and that's wheat, wheat. Right. That's not true for, you know, historically, depending on what region people were raised in, what kind of wheat, what different types of grains are in season, what we're eating is totally different. Um, so I welcome people to try different types of grains and um, enjoy different types of flavor, even if it just means adding a little bit more to to your multi-grain atta that you're typically using or um, just allowing yourself to kind of not think out of the box, but rather to go back to the roots and see what the ancient grains that have been used for such a long time, because the wheat that we're having now is not the wheat that our ancestors were eating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You were talking previously about uh, inflammation, how do you know if something is is is, is inflaming you or uh, or it's not agreeable to you or not be able to digest it?
1: Okay, um, I think when we're talking about hearing your body um, and what intuitively eating is, there's some kind of, you can feel symptoms either in your skin. Um, acid reflux is a really big thing that we experience um, when we're not eating well. Um, inflammation can show up as bloating. Um, people don't talk about this enough, but pay attention to your bowel movements. Right. Um, it's important. What is coming out of us is actually telling you a lot of what you're digesting and not digesting, for example, what suits right. your body and doesn't suit your body. Um, yeah, bloating and gas is probably the first um, indicator Because it's the first thing to show up, um, I think, after you've had a food, if it's it's working for you.
0: So it's important to understand what you can digest. And for example, if I can digest cereal, then I can just continue eating it. Right. And that's okay. Well, Even though it's like super processed and it's like, I mean, my wife complains about the almond milk. Like she says, it's not the best thing, you know, it's still processed. And it's not, it's got chemicals in it and blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what's the alternative? I mean, it's, it's difficult. There, to. Find there something. is an
1: alternative though. I, I think that you can <laughs> right. always, if you're, I am not a promoter of like refined foods for sure. Um, I think right. that's something that we need to get away from, but there's an opportunity here. If you enjoy, cereal, what is the best kind of cereal we can have? If you, right. like, if you like oats, let's start to make oats at home, for example. Let's, mm. let's get more involved in trying to do things from scratch and right. not from the box. Um, one of the first things that I learned in nutrition school that really just left this lasting impact on me on when we pick foods is if man made it, we leave it. If God ate it, we eat it. Like if 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 you don't have to look at a nutrition fact label or read ingredients.
0: Oh, it looks like we lost Mundry. Let's wait for her to join, rejoin. But um, if you have any questions for her, please put them in the comment section. I'll be uh, addressing them at the end let's let's just wait for her to join i think she had some internet issues okay she's back connecting this is a great discussion i mean this is all stuff i'm interested in because i think we all have to focus a lot of on what we're eating and stuff sorry you you cut out for a minute so you were talking about um if 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 there's no label on it you, right you were, you, you were saying so if god made it eat it if man made it leave it
1: yes and i think that's a good practice for a lot of things is um i i personally i try to channel challenge myself to make everything at home Yeah, and if if i can't um i look at ingredients and i investigate if i don't understand an ingredient or if it sounds foreign to me it's not something i should be eating um, a note for your almond milk: um, Assess how much almonds are actually in your almond milk.
0: <laughs> Don't tell me that. Please. If it's
1: got oil in it, if there's <laughs> oil in the ingredients, that's right. something that you should um, yeah look at. Yeah, this is this is the thing: is that health is not it's it's made individually for every single person. Um, This is something we struggle with in our household for sure. My husband is um, a chronic snacker, for example. I I am not, but um, a part of marriage, I guess, is the give and take, but also in nutrition is the give and take. I'm not going to strip away something that he enjoys so much and actually thrives off of in some sense. Like um, for some people snacking is incredibly important If you have diabetes or blood sugar issues, for example, having snacks in your day is really good. Um, For some people, three good solid meals in a day works for them. So if it's working for you, it's okay. But if there is some adverse effect, there needs to be investigation.
0: Right. So that's, okay, that's the inflammation. And I also understood, someone told me that, Overeating is the cause of disease.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So,
0: so that means that like whatever you're not digesting or whatever is hard to digest is kind of staying in your body. Like I think I saw for some reason I might have said like overeating or something to my, to my, you know, while my Alexa was on or something. And now I get all these like Facebook, (laughs) Facebook advertisements of like cleaning out your colon and things like that. Like, right is that something we should be looking into like all the stuff that's stuck in there or, or, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly nutrition, but that, but, but the fact of overeating causes disease. What do you think about that?
1: Um. Yeah. I think if we're pushing our digestive systems, but beyond their capabilities, right. that's definitely problematic. Um, you like to do yagyas. So I'll give you an example that uh, you can relate to. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but if you're, have a fire that's burning and you're going to take all the grain you've allocated and dump it in, onto the fire.
0: Right. What's
1: going to happen to the fire? Right. It's going to burn out. Yes. Uh, a way of mindfully eating. Um, first of all, is in the preparation. Um, I like for the entire family, for example, if you're a family or yourself, to get involved in the process because digestion actually begins when you start preparing the meal, not when you start eating the meal. Wow. That is, our body has this internal cue that, hey, we're washing vegetables or handling fruit. Our touch sensors have the ability to say that food is coming, prepare your stomach. Let's ignite that fire and get it oh ready to digest. And wow. this is the problem with fast food and takeout and process food is that we're not involved in that process. So yeah. our body doesn't know how to digest that because we haven't activated that fire.
0: It's a whole, it's a whole like mental thing. Like, like, you know what like you're saying, washing the vegetables and doing like you're, like you're preparing your mind, your brain is preparing the body for like, okay, the end of this is going to be that I'm going to be consuming this.
1: Right. It's a meditation.
0: It's a meditation. Right, right. That's really interesting. Uh, because, and, and yeah, I mean, fast food, like that whole part is cut out. You're just, that's, it's just there. I mean, we don't eat fast food as devotees. I mean, right. you know, the that whole thing is not really relatable to us, but it's, but even like a vegan restaurant or something like that, even that's like, you know, it's, you're cutting out that part of it. And, uh, is that, that's really important I, for, di- for digesting and for, you know, yeah. I mean, I didn't right. even think of that. That's a good. point. I mean,
1: even if we're, um, for example, picking something up, uh, a very trendy topic right now amongst devotees is like, um, refined soy, the fake meats. Oh, fake um, meat!
0: Right, right, right.
1: It's not good for you, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nutrella. I like Nutrella. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know it's not good for me. I don't, I don't eat it that often, but I, but I do enjoy it, and. Yeah. Um,
1: so the, right. This is the distinction we're making though, right? If 90% of our diet is clean, then that 10% isn't going to affect us that much but if we're, if that ratio is opposite and we're having more refined foods and we're not really planned forward and you know, focusing on the foods that we can digest, for example then yeah. this is where the problem lies and this is where, you know, it's okay like Don't feel guilty about every single meal. Enjoy yourself. Celebrate. Um, On my page, for example, I used to be so scared of frying food that people are going to judge me that I'm a nutritionist. But it's the truth. Four to five times a year, I love to bust out the oil and fry something wonderful and beautiful and really enjoy it and it's also a way for me to pass on this culture and tradition to my daughter that, right. you know, so much of, you know, the things that I love to eat when I was growing up was fried. It's not all the time, yeah. but we should be able to, you know, offer this beautiful meal, you know, to the lordship and know that Krishna is going to enjoy it and also know that the dhoti's are going to enjoy it. Yeah. But yeah, a great point. It's not for every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember my dad when, when I was younger, like he would, uh, you know, he would take like a, like a core or something, put a napkin and like squeeze it and get all the oil out before he ate it. And, and, and it's like, and and that kind of like set it up like, okay, fried foods are fried foods are bad. Like, although they're so tasty, but they're so bad for you and you shouldn't be eating that. And you, and you, but, but from what you're saying that few times a year, it's fine. And also passing on that to your children. It's like, that's, that's, uh, that's really invaluable. I mean, like, we don't want this tradition to stop, we want it to continue, but we want to do it in a more responsible way, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's it's something my. It's very aggravating to my mother. My my mom, um, I think she's been woke about health way longer <laughs> than anybody else's. Um, so when in the eighties and nineties, she used to work at a health food store doing oh, menu really? planning. Um, this is where this all came from. Actually, is my okay. grandmother, who did most of the cooking, was mostly Gujarati based, and you know, darba chakrati was on the table every night. Right. But my my mom was loved to bake and she experimented in the house and you know anytime she asked for pizza we got pizza to the point where we'd be like no more pizza oh my
0: gosh wow wow
1: like my sister still talks about this like anytime you ask my mom what she wants to eat she'll say oh I want something tasty and flavorful but she a hundred percent means pizza (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and so we had a very diverse experience growing up and that I had the foundational Indian cooking that was very deeply ingrained and um, it oftentimes was cooked in a very Gujarati fashion because that's how my grandmother cooked but my mom was the one who was like hey this was quinoa and we should definitely eat this and we were all like Totally ragging on it. And wow. when I was in nutrition school, I would call her up and be like, Oh, I heard about this thing and it's amazing and we should be eating more kale. And she's like, Well, what about you know, when I was saying this like right. 20 years ago, and <laughs> <laughs> mom's so, not the best. Mom's not the best. Yeah, um, yeah. I've luckily graduated to that, so I can say that right. myself too. <laughs> but, right, right, right. Um yeah, it's it's always a funny thing in our home because you know, every, I'll visit home or whatever. And my dad will say something in Gujarati and it's, which means he wants oil in something. Like <laughs> let's fry something. Let's, you know, let's enjoy ourselves. Let's enjoy, not just yeah. Like, you know, yeah. so we we should enjoy what we're eating, but we should also learn to enjoy the healthy stuff too. Like if it's healthy and it's not tasting good, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm use spices really challenge yourself there is so much um availability of ingredients and really good flavorful things that we can use to help develop flavors that we really enjoy and again like based off of our own tastes everybody can find something healthy that they can enjoy
0: right um i i I also want to talk a little bit what you said about earlier about absorbing food that, uh, the quality may not be so good. So the, the, the nutritional content of it is not fully absorbed. So I always had this question. I've been talking to my friends about this, my doctor friends as well, about vitamins, like taking supplements and things. So do you think it's necessary? And if, and if, like what are some signs where someone should be like maybe I should think about this because I feel a certain way?
1: I think everyone needs to take supplements.
0: Really? Yes. That's a huge um, that's a huge statement to make.
1: Yeah, I I, I am actually only recently started um oh, okay. showing myself take supplements on social media to help encourage people, I guess break the stigma because I think we're I think when people think of supplements, they think of medicine okay. and that's not that's not true. I really think that first of all, the way that farming practices, especially in North America have been going over the last a hundred years, there isn't much integrity left in our soil. Our soil is where we get the vitamins and minerals that we need to survive. Yeah. A lot of that has been essentially raped. The nutrients are gone. Yeah. from the soil and the foods that we are eating. We can't uptake everything we need to, you know, have a healthy life. So supplementation shouldn't be seen as medicine, but rather preventative health care. I really believe that everybody should be taking a good multivitamin and multimineral. Um, people should be looking at um, if, First, we should um, assess what we need, not just to arbitrarily start taking vitamins. Everybody needs something different. I encourage you to ask your doctor for a full blood panel at least once a year. Uh, I know this is difficult in some places because healthcare isn't covered. Um, yeah. In Canada, we have the opportunity to go and ask for all of these tests and see what we're deficient in Um, one of the major deficiencies that's actually showing up is zinc and you know who would have thought that zinc is such a big deficiency but we
0: have a lot of vegetables that have zinc though
1: absolutely so what what's the problem here why aren't we uptaking this but what it is is that first they're there's a buzzword that I'm going to put out here, the bioavailability of what we're able to uptake from our vegetables and kind of what is in a vitamin. Vitamins aren't all created equal. We should look at the quality of vitamins also. Yeah. But taking a good quality vitamin, I think is um, essential, essential.
0: What what, what would be, because my experience was like, when I was living in Vrindavan, I was feeling really like I was feeling really lethargic and I was feeling kind of tired and off. And I and I, you know, I I told my sister, and my sister sent me vitamins. She sent me like B12 and she sent me like rose hips or something like that. I started taking those and I was like a new person. I was like jumping around all over the place, and I was like, I was like, this is like night and day. So now after it's been like 10 years since and and I think I'm also starting to feel lethargic because I sit all day for work and things like that. So I'm thinking staring at a screen. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's time now that I have to think about taking and know my friends have been telling me to get my blood work done to see what I'm deficient in or if some issue is there. But uh, yeah, it's something I need to look in. What what would you say is a good like a what attributes should we look in into vitamins that are, you know, you said don't arbitrarily just start taking vitamins. Like what should you look for essentially?
1: I think that you should look for, um, for vitamins that are whole food based not um, the mineral or vitamin extracted from the food, but it should also have something to pair itself with. Um, the bio bioavailability is really um, important. Um, a lot of vitamins and minerals need to be um, kind of prepared in a certain way, so to speak. Um, taking a vitamin is like having, you know, good food combining, for example. Right. Um, there are some really great brands living alchemy, for example. Um, uh, organic is definitely best. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's something that you can swallow. I think a lot of people get deterred from like these big multivitamins that, you know, yeah, they try like to massive. take for seven, eight days and they're this big. And, right, right, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, We're, we're also not going to find something that works for us on the first try. You need to try a couple different brands, also see how you're digesting it, see how you feel, just like any other food you need to investigate
0: Yeah,
1: and um, see what works for you.
0: That seems to be the theme that you need that like from what I, the questions I've been asking you, a lot of the answers are starting with like whatever feels right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as our bodies change, this can also change to what worked for me may not be the same thing that works for me five years from now.
0: Right. So you need to, so you need to be kind of really in tune with like how you're feeling to, to, to kind of determine what, steps you need to take to make things better.
1: Right. Um, This is something I didn't really grow up with, that I I wasn't really attuned to this, that like, You know, it's not until you start assessing the symptoms. And this is a practice that I do with my daughter when she's, you know, she could be pretending or playing. She loves to play doctor, for example. So I ask her, you know, she (laughs) says, she says things like, oh, my leg is haunted and my knee is grumpy. And so then we we go through the process. Oh, well, what is your knee feeling? What is your stomach feeling like? What are the symptoms? So now when she comes back to me, she can say my stomach is feeling not good, It's feeling bubbly. I can tell, okay, she's bloated. What's Mm -hmm. the actionable steps we're going to take for a child not to feel that? And that's what we need to start doing for ourselves is I'm feeling sick. What are my symptoms? Because based off of the symptoms, we need to be able to go to the root cause and address that root cause.
0: That's, That's an important point. I think we live such fast lives that sometimes we forget to even like be conscious of our bodies and what their bodies are, what our bodies are telling us. I I speak for myself, you know, I, you know, it's just like things are so busy. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you just want to get into routine. Okay. In the morning, I just have my cereal. In the midday, I just have this. And at night when I'm feeling snacking, I want to snack on something, you know, something probably not so healthy or something fried or something. But the reality, you know, is that, you have to think. You have to hear what your body is is saying to you, and I think that's so important. I I never do that. I and and like you said, we didn't grow up being like that. It was right. It's just a difficult thing to. I think it's like something that needs to be. You need to train yourself. To yeah, do we that.
1: need to learn. We need to learn to um see really assess what we need because we. We are our own healthcare practitioners. Only we know what we're experiencing. Definitely, blood tests and things like that are very helpful in helping to identify what the problem is, but only we can help fix that. Our bodies, we're, we're really built to heal ourselves. It's yeah. just how we're nourishing ourselves. And um, even within a family, We can't all eat the same kinds of foods sometimes. And I think that can become difficult that we all need to, um, I I think, adjust for each other and find some Mm -hmm. happy medium.
0: Tell us a little bit about your Instagram page, because I know you put a lot of time and effort into, you know, creating the, the, the content and, and what's your, like, what's your motivation behind it? Because to do something that takes a lot of, a lot of effort, you need to have a certain motivation and a certain, like, what do you want to share with people? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I started made by Mundry in 2010, I think. Um, Wow. That's a while ago. I've been cooking for a very long time. My mom, my mom was actually very open to us, not just learning, um, Actually, I have two women gurus in my family that um, really helped um, develop this passion. The first was my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she she had a very old school style, have to learn how to cook. Um, what will your mother-in-law think if you don't know how to roll a proper rotli? <laughs> um, Circle. Very sort of, you know? And so I have all of that training. Yeah it's not for me. You know, I, I don't really care what Anir thinks about my workplace. But (laughs) (laughs) what my mom actually gave to me was this, and and my dad, I don't really give him enough credit, but this opportunity to create and make mistakes. And, um, and oh, boy, there was a lot of mistakes. But I was given kind of this, like, free will to create from a very young age, like even eight or nine years old. I remember just being able to bake, you know, my mom has this black recipe book she's been writing in for as long as I've been alive and to just pick something out of there. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, you know, it was okay. Yeah. So um, what really helped me spring into this idea of sharing was when my grandmother passed away, Um, so she passed away and there was so much that I felt that I probably just took for granted and didn't note down or dictate or learn from her that, you know, what if my mom didn't know about this or, and it would have just passed away with her. Yeah. And so much of health and, um, nutrition in that sense is lost as the generations go by because we're not um dictating what our ancestors are teaching us and so initially i started this page for myself to make these things and just kind of um it was like a little library for me to remember and Mm. capture a little picture of okay i made this sub g and it turned out right and it wasn't about a recipe and it definitely uh, wasn't about what made by manjri has turned into now um, and as the years kind of went on, um, I took a little break when, uh, my daughter Vidya Vadoo was born, um, because I had horrible, horrible postpartum depression mm. and, um, it kind of, um, I had a C-section and it was not the birth that I expected, um, for people who don't know what a C-section experience is like, um, if you see that picture of Nershingadev uh, ripping open here <laughs> on Yakashipu, right. that's it. It <laughs> wow. was bad. And I right. suffered from a lot of trauma as a result. And the way that I figured out that I needed to get back to my normal or what I needed to feel whole again was to cook. And so I started a 100-day project, which is very trendy amongst our um,
0: youth. (laughs) I think we all started the 100-day projects. I mean, I've started a few, never finished them.
1: Yeah, so I started this 100-day project, and it was called the 100 Days of Nurture. And it was every day I would cook on Instagram and post a photo of what I made for dinner. Oh, right. And I had a one year old daughter and sometimes it would take me the entire day, but I was going to take this opportunity to just nurture myself and be able to cook this food, offer this, you know, this meal and enjoy it because that's what it was going to take to get me out of my depression. Right. And it just turned out that there were so many women who were experiencing the exact same thing. Yeah. And... That's kind of where the tutorial was born from, because I learned to cook, um, as I mentioned earlier, by viewing. And, you know, you can read a recipe, but to be able to apply it and successfully understand the technique that it takes to apply the recipe, it takes a certain kind of talent. And I think that's why a lot of people don't really love recipe books. But when you see a person intuitively cooking and talking about technique and, you know, understanding why so many women don't need these recipes because they understand fractions, they understand food science, they know how to layer spices. Um, if I could just show people how to do that, they can naturally become great chefs themselves. So what Made my Mandri has turned into is education. And I, I feel really proud of that. That I can pass on this ancestral knowledge. That you know, I feel every boy, girl, man, woman, uh, whatever gender you identify with, everybody should know how to nourish themselves.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I I especially like the, the 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 fact that you show exactly what's you know you put this in and throw this in, and it's like it's like the whole the whole process is documented and it's going to be there forever. I mean, as long as the internet's there, it's going to be, you know, there in your, in your archives or in your stories and stuff. So yeah, thank you for doing that. I mean, that's, I, I love the, the fact that you preserve tradition, but at the same time, you put your own spin on it and you put using certain other ingredients that may not, been, may not have been used in the past and, and things. I think that's really uh, valuable. Because, you know, I, I'm a person who likes tradition and I like preserving tradition and I like passing. I, I'd love to pass things on and and, and you're doing that. And that's fantastic. Um, have you what are your favorite like what are your go to foods like for each like for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, like you personally or, or for your family? Because I'd like to hear what. Like,
1: Um, what's what's
0: healthy, like a nutritionist kind of thing? What what do you guys eat? Nutritionists, what do they eat?
1: (laughs) Uh, It changes a lot. I go through tons of phases of experimentation. Um, When we moved into this place, uh, when I was pregnant, actually, I went through this huge, huge phase of waffles. Like, if there was any recipe, I tried to turn it into a waffle to the point where I've, like, broken, like, two or three waffle machines. Wow. Um, so we went through a lot of uh, um, alu paratha waffles, hash brown waffles, every every kind of waffle, uh, bhajia waffles. Um, so we had a big waffle phase. Um, I'm kind of coming back into oatmeal now. Um, okay. But uh, bra- breakfast, we, we practice intermittent fasting here. Um, not my daughter, but my husband and I. Okay. And so we don't eat after 7 o'clock, and we break fast at 11 o'clock. So it gives our body an opportunity to rest and heal whatever it needs to heal. Um, I find that it really helps with any kind of digestive upset. Um, It really helps to curb the late um, night eating. Um, So I know a lot of people struggle with that. That like it's nine o'clock. Any, uh, well, we have, nothing. we drink, we can drink tea oh, and drink, water. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the idea of giving your digestion a break. I mean, that's one reason of a as well, right? Yeah. Uh, like you guys, you guys follow a cottagey, but I see that you also cook like elaborate things.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, especially within our little friend group community um, before COVID. Uh our home is always open on gadashi. anybody who wants to come over and eat can oh, come right. over and eat that's and so that's cool. actually, I like that. That's actually for me because I hate fasting. Going to whisper right. that because I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to get judged. But it's I find it to be um I think it's probably something I've struggled with since childhood but I hate when somebody tells me what I have to do. And now you're telling me I can't have grains and beans and all the things that I love. And suddenly it's a day that you're really craving toast. But (laughs) (laughs) by creating some kind of celebration out of Ikadashi and allowing my kin to come over and for us to enjoy this beautiful meal and fast together is is awesome. And it's such a great way to celebrate Ikadashi. So Mm. And what an awesome opportunity to like add extra vegetables and things to your meals that you're not typically having all the time.
0: Yeah. So breakfast, you said, you said intermittent fasting sometimes. So, uh, you don't eat until 11. So then you at 11.
1: Yeah. So we, we break our fast with lunch. Um, so we have a, um, a pretty, uh, good, that's our biggest meal of the day. Yeah. And um, and then dinner, uh, you have an opportunity to see every day, usually, what I make for dinner. Um, we eat pretty simply, um, other than every Thursday, which is Thali Thursday. and That's when I do the full traditional, typically Gujarati meal. So, for lunch? Um, yeah, I'll make it in time for lunch. And then, you know, wow, whatever we need to supplement. With.
0: Thali Thursday. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so was going to ask you about your, um, so, so uh, dinner, dinner is, uh, before seven, but it's like something lighter.
1: Yeah. Um, so we, we eat dinner as a family. I think mm-hmm. that's also very important. Um, sure, I know sure, people yeah. with, uh, young children, they like to feed the children first and then eat, but, um, mm-hmm. we actually teach our children a lot by eating together. Um, okay. and so that, that is important mindfully eating and um, being able to pass along um, good eating habits, allowing our children to see and our family to see that, you know, I'm having the same thing that you're having and, you know, some kind of camaraderie of um, kind of breaking bread together and being together. So I think that's really important. Um, But it's a, it, it's typically had a bit earlier than, Traditionally I think a lot of people have dinner, but we usually eat dinner around five thirty. Yeah. Um, I
0: yeah. Okay, five thirty. Okay, that's good. That's early. That's so you have time to to digest. To digest. That's very important. I got to think about that. (laughs) Uh, Let's look at the questions. Uh, There's a lot of discussion going on in the comment section, a lot of appreciation. Let's look at some of these questions first. Okay, Krishna Prana asks, other than your mother and grandmother, who, what are some of your biggest cooking inspirations these days? Also, what do you think would be the most helpful steps in getting the Sunday feast back to that breaking bread sort of experience that you described? Great question
1: um first of all it's krishna prana's birthday today so happy birthday krishna Krishna prana um krishna prana is my good friend um and yeah um i think getting back to this idea of you know really enjoying sunday love feast um is first of all service with a smile um it really it really makes a difference Mm -hmm. um I think that the prashad can be mindfully prepared in a way that, uh, this, is, this is actually a very difficult question. I think because often the, the grains and things like that, it, there's a very standard sort of plate that I think most temples have in mind. Um, I think where we, can, where we can really adjust is our cooking method not overcooking food, um, learning how to use a little bit less oil. Let's, let's drop refined sugar and refined fats. And really, even if it means taking it down to a simpler meal, there's Mm. still a way to create a feast out of that and focus on plant forward foods, focus on that diversity of if this is an opportunity for us to showcase what good Krishna conscious sattvic food looks like, and for a person to take that practice home, then we need to first look at the integrity of the vegetables, but also integrity in the cooking practice. Um, I think a really great way for all of us to adjust that is to actually get involved help do the service
0: yeah
1: go cut vegetables if you need to cut vegetables if you're donating um, grains and all of that are always really helpful i think a lot of people who donate want to donate grains but also if we donate start donating nice quality vegetables then naturally the nice quality vegetables will start showing up in the sunday feast so i think <laughs> it goes hand in hand
0: yes yes good point and and, and she also said about um your biggest cooking inspirations other than your mother and grandmother?
1: Um, Mother Yamuna, for sure. Um, I think if anybody wants to learn really good foundational um, cooking skills, especially like mindful and meditative, Krishna conscious cooking, her books are amazing. And they're one of my first experiences of cookbooks that I really loved.
0: Another point I wanted to bring up about the Sunday feast is that Uh, The way we serve it out, I think, is really important. Also, the this whole thing that started, I don't know if it was recently. I mean, my whole practically like for the past twenty years or so. I remember now. You know, everything in
1: our life is recent. I think compared (laughs) to
0: (laughs) right, like you queue up to the or you line up to the to the servers, and they put it on your plate and that and you know and everyone that's like a very efficient way to do it but what what happened to people sitting in lines and people coming with the thing and serving it you know nice while you're sitting you know we don't do that anymore around here from where it, i'm it from.
1: actually happens at uh vancouver temple
0: that's wonderful i like that i am um, glad to hear that
1: i think there's pros and cons of both sides i think when you're lining up in a queue you have an opportunity to say that like my body can only handle a small scoop of prashad. So please, Um, oftentimes when people are sitting in a, in a line, the person who's serving is already looking at the next three people and you can't really (laughs) control what's going on there. Um, But yeah, either way, I think that um, both, both can be done um, in a really nice way. I, I think that if we keep in mind that, um, it's not about getting the prasad out in time or yes, um, yes. kind of the speed. E- efficiency, we, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eff- efficiency is fine, but then we're losing the quality of the experience. Yes.
0: Amazing so I,
1: again, and that's that totally ties into nutrition because if you're if you're feeling good while you're eating, naturally your body is going to do good things like it really does go hand in hand, but if we're gonna lose the hospitality part of this, then the Prashad experience is really lacking
0: mm. yeah, great point. Let's look at uh, another question here. Nitai Ram, our friend Nita Ram. Haribo Prabhu. Very interesting conversation. I love your podcast numbers. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Hey, Mundri, for those of us with limited cooking skills, what's one meal that you would recommend the most, excluding Kitri? I was um, totally going to say Kitri. Kitchri is like the go to for. It's
1: the go to. Yeah. I mean, if, if people aren't on board for Kitri, I'm just going to give a nod to Kitri. It is a complete meal, it's a complete protein. You can add any kind of vegetable it's easy to digest if you're feeling sick think Kitri. Mm. if not i think a very good thing for a person who has a limited cooking skills is some kind of cooked salad um it's uh, typically raw vegetables is a little bit hard for most people to digest, um, right. if their digestive fire isn't at their highest, but cooking some vegetables, pairing it with a nice grain, a nice dressing, um, maybe seed based, um, tahini for example, is a really great way to b- build a base of a dressing. Um, yeah. it allows you to, um, stir frying vegetables for example, is a really great way to preserve the nutrient level, but still having cooked vegetables that can um that are easy to digest. So, um yeah, I think some kind stir, of stir-frying cooked...
0: stir, frying, and what was the other one? Um, um
1: like steaming or stir-frying I steaming, think is right, a really right. good. Yeah. yeah.
0: I remember one devotee that I was in the ashram with, he would like steam vegetables and then it, and then he'd have like different uh sauces like to put on like if you would if you had broccoli you know then you know steamed broccoli but then you put like a nice really tahini on it or something and that makes it really simple but it's tasty at the same time right i
1: think chutney doesn't get enough credit but
0: um adding a lot of
1: herbs and um to a a nice good chutney and pairing it on the side is a really good way to get some nice fresh sort of um, nutrients in and also it pairs well with almost anything so yes um, also chutney yeah
0: chutney uh, very enjoyable program. What's your take on the use of soya products? We could kind of discuss that a little. And what about low-carb, healthy fats? LCHF.
1: Um, yeah, okay. Not all soy is created equal. So I think that the less refining that you're thinking about, the better the more and more refined the soy gets, the less and less beneficial it is for you. So think plain tofu, edamame, tempeh, which is fermented tofu is actually quite good for the health, but again, to the strength of your digestion. Um, I don't think it's something you should be consuming every day, but (laughs) it can, um, I think that it's, and it's also soy is a complete protein. So that's something we can also think about.
0: And uh, the second part of the question, uh, LCHF, I'm not familiar with that.
1: Um, I don't know what this acronym is either, but um, I'm not super into the whole, uh, personally as a nutritionist, the low carb. Um, We need carbs. Um, We just need to choose our carbohydrates um, better. Oftentimes things that are... um, marketed as low-carb are actually quite refined, and so we're negating sort of the health benefits of having less calories, for example. Um, To speak to calories, I think unless you're having some very extreme health issues, we we need to move away from counting calories and cutting carbs and that kind of thing. If we can move towards having more of a whole foods-focused diet, I don't think we need to count calories
0: very interesting so the so like this the principle should be stay away from processed carbs
1: what was the quotes leave the foods that man made eat the foods that god made Right. it's when we're grocery shopping if we can when you're looking at something that looks tasty and you turn around and you look at the ingredients and Again, like if you tons, can't recognize them, if there's right. tons of them, if the first ingredient is sugar or oil, yikes! it's, it's yeah. not a good start. Right.
0: <laughs> I mean, unless
1: you're that. buying sugar or oil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right. This is a really interesting question. So how is it starting our diet process and preparing the food compatible with not enjoying before Krishna is offered the boga?
1: Good question. Uh, interesting. That's a really good question. Yeah. I, I used to get so... Um, chastised when i was younger when i would say oh that smells good but we can't turn our noses off (laughs) it just it happens right we're washing vegetables and it's happening and this is a process our body has. it's been created by krishna right Mm. if if our digestion is starting because we're preparing food it's because krishna wants us to prepare food for him um i think it's it's it all goes together. it's a sister science essentially that if if we're preparing Prashad for Krishna, he enjoys it, and we can enjoy it we can enjoy it together mm. so um I, I think that there's a lot of um especially for my generation, this kind of um slapping the hands of you know right I think that's um. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of. You can't help but smell spices being activated. Like, it's such an important part of cooking that, you know, a proper tempering of your spices, for example, it's going to smell. People are going to experience the aroma. It's also preparing our home. Um, and so many spices, actually, when we temper them in oil or we're activating them, they actually cleanse our homes. So it's preparing our homes for our sattvic environment.
0: Right. Very, very interesting. Okay. Um, can you talk about eating raw foods only to optimize nutrition? I know it's not Ayurvedic, but it's been recommended to me by a vegan nutritionist as a way to reset the body, reduce inflammation, etc. cetera. So, uh, yeah, uh, raw I, food.
1: I think that raw foods actually, they, they have some, you know – um, I think short-term benefits for detoxification, for example, um, especially reducing certain types of inflammation in the body. Um, I do recommend, um, having some raw foods, um, typically away from cooked food. So have your raw foods, um, and your cooked foods separated from each other. So, um, Many cuisines, for for example, already do this. Salad is typically an appetizer. We wait a little while, then our entree comes, and yeah. we have the cooked food entree. So um, this is also a very intuitive thing. Usually people eat their salads first and not their salads last. Um, I, I think for a short time to serve the purpose that it needs to, it could be very beneficial.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hear a lot about people eating raw foods but then uh like if you get too much greens or something you can get uh kidney stones or something like that i don't know that's what i, I saw someone if you because it's such a maybe a large amount of of raw greens is not that i guess everything in moderation it should be right
1: mod- also this um whole idea of dieting for example um a lot of the diets that are created, um, not lifestyle based ones, but things that are made, they're made to be temporary. If you're doing something to fix a symptom or a oh, health related right. thing, then you you would come to some back to either some kind of normalcy or adjust your body. So right. um, I, I think oftentimes when people receive that this information, they think that they have to live this kind of life forever.
0: Mm. And
1: it's not necessarily true.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah. So, normalcy should be some, is, is where you should focus on, like what's right, what you're always going to be doing.
1: And everybody's going to have a different normal. And your normal is, it's very difficult with health because it's always going to change. Your environment can change, your body can change. Um, but what you notice is that you'll have a very consistent sort of set of foods that you will be very compatible with your body. And in time you can um, learn what that is.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, How about supplements that claim they're natural and made from vegetables? How effective are they if the vegetables to start with uh, aren't so great?
1: Yes. Um, So this word natural in North America, that word is not regulated. Um, You can call fruit juice from concentrate, for example, natural. Mm. But that process isn't exactly natural. Um, When you're picking vitamins, I really highly suggest looking for a whole food type of vitamin that is organic. Um, So I think that'll weed out a lot of the stuff that is labeled natural that might have a lot of additives.
0: So the key food, the key words are are whole food, like it's derived from whole, yeah,
1: foods. whole whole food and organic. Whole yeah. food,
0: yeah, not to be mixed with the br- with the brand or of the store Whole Foods, but whole.
1: Yes, food. <laughs> yes, right. not to be. Um...
0: <laughs> okay, uh, what about Temple residents who don't have a choice in what to eat? They cannot tailor a diet to their. Uh, physical needs, they just have to take whatever's cooked, which is not always very healthy. Looks like we lost Mandri for a minute. Oh, she's back. I'm back. Okay, you're back. Uh, we, could, we touched on this about temple devotees not being able to choose. They just have to take whatever's cooked. So, I mean, what I derived I, from what you said was that we, the, temple themse- the temple themselves should start cooking more healthy.
1: Right. I, I also think as a temple, we need to take responsibility for taking care of our full-time devotees, Right. because without them, you know, we can't thrive. And we should consider the prashad that we're serving these devotees as preventative health, because if the prashad they're eating is actually making them sick, then we're not, we're not serving the purpose that we're meant to serve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Will Mundry make a cookbook? Good question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's probably the most asked question. Um, it's definitely a goal of mine. Um, yes, but not anytime soon.
0: Okay. Yeah. You've been talking a lot about checking in your body, how it feels and go from there when it comes to nutrition. What do you think about eat when you're hungry and do not eat when you are not hungry rather than eating on schedule. That's a good question.
1: I I think that um, eating on a schedule works for a very um, particular type of body type. For example, certain people really thrive. I'm one of those people. I really thrive from a very set regimented. I know mm. exactly when my food is coming to me. Right. Not all people are like that. Um, uh, my husband, for example, he he likes he likes to eat when he feels like eating and so we adjust to that um i i think this is a very intuitive thing for what works for you we've been kind of marketed that we need to have breakfast lunch and dinner and that that is the basis and the flat line that everybody needs to do but um just just like how you know everybody conducts and has a different You know, you could work night shift, for example. You may need to fuel yourself at night. So um, based on your lifestyle, um, you can create something. I I wouldn't suggest, though, um, skipping meals, for example, is, you know, because of lifestyle, Um, I think that can also be problematic. So um, eating when your intuition calls you to, I think is awesome. Um, within reason.
0: I, I tend to have a lot of space personally between meals just because, uh, uh, just because of like work and things like that. And, and I right. think an Ayurvedic, I remember an Ayurvedic doctor told me that like my, like, it's like, your, your, your digestion is going, but it's not, you're not giving it anything. So it's like burning, like your liver is right. burning or something.
1: Things are, your organs can start to go into a little bit of overdrive because if your body isn't used to receiving food at kind of not always a set time, but when it feels like it needs to be nourished, it's going to start using its own resources to keep you going. And I think that's, the problematic part is that we don't. We want to be fueling our body, not using the fuel that, you know, that that is called survival mode. Your body switches right. into survival mode and starts using the resources from your body to fuel yourself. But really, you could stop if it means having a snack. Help curb that. It's yeah. also going to help with. Um, uh, we typically get emotional or a little bit angry when we're hungry and we need to be able to identify that it's actually time for me to fuel myself.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. It's very true. Um, opinion on air fryers, please.
1: Uh, I have one. I've had one for a long time. I They're not going to replace deep frying. I, I think a lot of people have this m- misconception that you can throw like a wet pakora batter in there and it's going to act the same way um, it's it's not going to work uh, and I, I have tried so many different things in an air fryer Yeah. for me I think that if you're a foodie like myself it's a nice machine to have if you feel like there is a lot of foods in your diet that are fried it's a good alternative to have but I think it's another ex- appliance. It's a trendy sort of thing. I would say for most people, I'm not going to recommend it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
0: But you, but uh, along the same lines of like that kind of appliance, you do use a um. What's that thing called? Everyone instant uses pot. it. What's that?
1: Instant pot.
0: Instant pot. Yeah. <laughs> really like you like instant pots.
1: I like instant pot. I, I was pretty anti pressure cooker. Yes. Um, up until the point where I became a mom and <laughs> being efficient had yes. to become a priority. So there's a little give and take when it comes to health. Do I prefer making dal on a stove? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Do I have a, t- do I have time for it now? Not so much. Um, the instant pot, for example, I think it's a very good piece of technology, and it's not a pressure cooker. For example, it's one kind of pressure. It often overcooks food. With the instant pot, um, there's still an element of that, but you can really control the heat and your cook level and and your pressure. So um, you're not really losing a lot of um, of the nutrients that traditional pressure cooking is doing so that took me a lot of research and a lot of trying of different appliances but um, personally speaking I would say instant pot is a buy yeah
0: yeah. Pressure cookers are such a part of like Indian kids.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like
0: (laughs) hearing that free, that, uh, that, That that whistle whistle sound is like so uh, ingrained in
1: my brain. And it's like,
0: first, I was terrified of it for the first five years of my life. And then it became like, okay, I can kind of get close to it. But then I also have like relatives that like have got their eyes messed up because that blew up in their face and stuff weird. Anyway, pressure cookers are, are, Dangerous at times, so be careful. I think it's
1: a quintessential part of the South Asian child experience.
0: Yes, yes,
1: definitely. (laughs) Everybody should experience it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I love the. This is such a good part, a good example of food nostalgia is when the pressure cooker whistle goes. You know that there's a dal in there, and you know again the digestion is starting. Yeah. You know, it's revving.
0: yeah. My mom was like, was that the second one or was that the, yeah, Was that the, the third one? one? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Please suggest some foods that are more, uh, that are more filling, which are not loaded with carbs like pizza and pasta. Good question. Ah. So that's something interesting to note about, um, foods that are filling, but at the same time are not loaded with carbs and going to make you feel bad, but things that will make you feel full.
1: Um, so I think that, if you implement this idea, actually, a couple of years ago in Canada, they actually did this um at the time. it was considered a very revolutionary thing because the Canadian Food Guide hadn't changed since it was created. Oh. Um, and i it's not perfect, but I think that. There are some elements of the food guide, if you want to Google that, the Canadian food guide, that you can implement. Um, A way to stay fuller is a greater emphasis on fruits and vegetables and plant-based proteins. That's dal, that's quinoa, that's buckwheat. Um, Amaranth is a really good example of a protein, um, which is also a grain
0: how would you cook amaranth though because i've seen that in like cereals and stuff but i haven't seen it in uh like a is that a, like you can cook it like a rice? A grain.
1: yeah you can cook it like a rice you can get it in a flour form you can make okay. chapati of it um you can add it to um any kind of vegetable and steam it um mm-hmm. i i've made uh dhokra out of it for example oh, it's interesting. a very Grains are very versatile. We can turn it into everything. Amaranth leaves um, of the plant are also edible. Um, So there's so many ways to actually utilize plants in multiple different ways. Um, I wouldn't just limit yourself to, you know, having your foods in one way. Um, But yeah, um, uh, another thing is trying to eliminate Sort of the traditional four groups of food, but rather focusing on vegetables and fruit in one section, whole grains in another, and protein. So if the other 50% of your meal could be um, whole grains and protein, whole grain is really important because that's something that we're not, especially as South Asians, that we're not um, really accustomed to because we've been having. white as basmati possible or no, let's no. return back to sort of the ancestral grains that we think about that aren't really um a part of our diets anymore and there are for, a lot of grains available for example uh buckwheat is a really good right. example yeah um but also different types of rice there's so many different types red rice black rice brown rice um, if your body can digest it, there's a lot of grain available. Uh, quinoa is um, actually one of two complete, fully complete plant-based proteins. So quinoa hits grain and protein, which is wow, awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a big, um, yeah quinoa is a really great uh great- quinoa
0: just has a has like a stigma for me just because it's like it's a kadashi and you're eating quinoa so if i quinoa on like any other like if someone gives it to me on any other day i'm like is today kadashi why are you <laughs> yeah, this- am
1: i fasting
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: my husband's the same way and it's taken years and i think it will continue to take years to break that stigma yeah yeah um Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also, there's a lot of people who don't, um, consume quinoa and kadeshi also. That's, that's cool. Whatever. Um, yeah, whatever works for you, but I highly, uh, recommend, Oh boy. I just saw the next question.
0: This might be a little out of context, but what do you think about CBD to reduce stress?
1: Um, I think that if you are working with a professional, and you are addressing your stress from um, a dietary point of view, uh, physical activity point of view, addressing yeah. adrenal fatigue, having uh, a good blood work panel and working with somebody who's worked with CBD before, um, I think it's a good option. Yeah.
0: For those of you who don't know, CBD is... Derived from either cannabis or um, what was the other thing? They make rope and stuff out of it. Anyways, it's, hemp. Hemp, yeah, hemp. So uh, it's like a more natural kind of medicine.
1: Also, it's not going to get you high. There's a lot of stigma around that. I, right. Right. Um, hemp. Also, uh, you should definitely have hemp in your diet. It's not going to get you high, but it's a really good source of protein. It's got a lot of omega three fatty acids. Um, it's just built really well, um, right? So, yeah. and it does,
0: the CBD. There's a difference between, between CBD and THC. THC is what gives is the is what the high part is, but CBD is like the more medicinal. Uh,
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: Nutritional part. So, yeah, to answer that question, you do you do uh, recommend people look into that?
1: Yeah, uh, as long as you're working with somebody, I think it's um, right. it's a good option for. Um, also preventing, it's a good preventative option.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, Manjri, thank you so much. This is a great conversation. I I really enjoyed it. I really got a lot out of it. Um, I, I, I think the theme was that I wrote down some notes. The themes were listen to your body because everyone's body is different and everyone's body reacts differently. So to try to become more in tune of what your body is saying, uh, not all diets or ways of eating is one size fits all. Like you, it's really uniquely to your individual situation. And I think those two those are the two kind of takeaways I, I took away essentially from the conversation that listen to your body and and also all diets are not the same. It's it's really uh it's really case to case. Do you have any concluding statements?
1: I think that as devotees, we we have a we've already shifted towards mindful eating, and we have pretty healthy practices. I think that just broadening our minds towards what health is, um, questioning our foods, the integrity of our food, um, really watching our sugar intake. Um, I know a lot of devotees who think having diabetes is like a Brahmin flex it's not like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> have you heard no. this before
0: no i haven't you know, if
1: you have diabetes you were a brahmin in your last life oh my god that's horrible i don't like know anyone... where did you find this information oh, gosh <laughs> but wow. um yes and we're passing along uh, again like this is extremely important knowledge that we're passing along and for our yeah. next generation um to come into having better eating habits but also a better relationship with food and Prashad is extremely important and yeah. so if we can set that example i think it'd be really wonderful hmm. yeah
0: we need to set the example as the next generation for sure uh well anyways thank you uh, and thanks everyone for listening um please oh oh let's let's uh put Mungary's, um Instagram handle on the screen here. Made by Mundry. Go, go to her Instagram and follow her. She puts out tons of great, great content. A lot of amazing stories and like cooking. Uh, you know, throwing the spices in and how much and then the. It's just a fantastic. You do. You put out really great content and though and you put a lot of energy into it, like photographing it and putting cool. Cloth and backgrounds and things. I love it. Fantastic. So go ahead and follow her um, on Instagram, and you can connect with her on Facebook as well. And I know she's a big part of Kirtan Vancouver. Also check out Kirtan Vancouver. Big shout out to them and to her husband uh, Anirud, who's a good dear friend of mine. Thank you for uh, helping out with the you know with with the with this um, interview, and also um, check out my. Uh, in, check out my Facebook page, YouTube page, uh, and, and please share this because this is like knowledge that can really help people and help uh, collectively our devotees' health. So, because health is really the first thing. I mean, I'm I'm beginning to really realize that now, as getting to be a little bit older now, and and it's like you really have to look after, it. and I don't do that enough, and I know a lot of people, other people don't do it enough, so we really have to push on this kind of message that let's look after our health so we can, you know, learn to serve each other and serve Krishna longer and better, and, uh, you know, it's, it's important. So thank you, Manjri, for, for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Stay on on a little bit longer. I'm going to turn off the live. But thanks everyone for listening. That's episode uh, 52 and uh, the late morning program podcast with Namras. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.